0: Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point.
1: Wrestling fans and welcome to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. This is episode number 13. I am Joe Morata alongside Michael Quinn. How you doing Quinn?
2: Unlucky 13?
1: Unlucky 13. Unlucky 13. <laughs> it's good. is it
2: lucky? I don't <laughs> it's
1: lucky number 13.
2: Wait, which one's the lucky one?
1: The lucky one is the fans because they get to be with us for the oh. next hour as we talk about the world of retro wrestling. Some things we remember and some things we wish we didn't. Good to be with you guys this Monday, January 9th, 2017. Hope your year is going well so far.
2: I'd say it's been a good year so been a great far because it's year, only nine days. Only
1: nine days old. Um, Quinn, I understand, before we get started here, I understand that people can subscribe if they haven't yet. You want to tell everyone where that might be?
2: Well, there's all sorts of tactics uh, involved with this. <laughs> okay. You can always go to iTunes. Right, iTunes. Um, iTunes. Web, whatever yeah. it is. Um, go over there, and you can subscribe. We're on that. You can go to Google Play now music google, google play, play music, music and you can go get it over there too it's the same kind of subscription kind of thing right uh you can go over to the stitcher oh yeah the stitcher yeah. right right uh fm.radio. What's it called? <laughs> Player.fm. <laughs> Player.fm. We yeah. are
1: on that. It is wonderful. It is one of my favorite things, And you actually. can always go to
2: the website, too. Oh, yeah,
1: the website. Because
2: we, uh, we have all the subscription links over there. You can even subscribe on SoundCloud if you want to listen to it that way.
1: Aren't we also on something like with the blueberry? All right. The Who bl-
2: cares? <laughs> <laughs> but we are on the blueberry. We
1: are on the blueberry. dot uh, com. Of course, Quinn... We ah. are at the Place to Be Nation. Oh,
2: we are. What do you I, think of the place? It's a nice place. It's a nice, nice you know, set up here. It's got a good couch. Nice decor. Nice decor. And you know what else they have? I hear it in the background. They have other podcasts. They do. They have
1: other podcasts. You guys should check those out. I don't want to fail to mention, you can tweet at us at OVP Podcast on the Twitter. Uh, yep. You can you can also email us at ovppodcast at gmail.com. That is Podcast at gmail.com. We do email. We do the email. We're up on that email. Yep, we're on
2: top of that tech. <laughs> we're
1: on top of that tech. We're going to start today with uh, our first segment, of course, which is one thing that I miss. And it's something that I miss. I'll be starting this one. Quinn, this is going to surprise you. Okay. If you've been listening to these past episodes, folks, you might notice that I have a, a slant towards a certain wrestling promotion. Uh, however, I miss WCW. Huh.
2: The WCW! Well, I miss WCW a lot. I really do. I really miss it. I was thinking this the other day,
1: and I, I believe me, we could go on for decades about some stupid decisions they made.
2: I think this segment shouldn't be about it's, like, what, what they That's what I was going to say. It's like, not
1: going to be. This is
2: what I remember, or These, what I miss. So some, some
1: things we remember, know. and some. some things we wish we didn't. <laughs> the thing is, is you know, we both got into wrestling right around the same time, Quinn and I, 94, 95. Right. And I got into WWF first, and I knew who they were even before I watched them, but... I saw that Hogan ticker tape parade thing that I hate so much. That was, I think, my first exposure to WCW in June (laughs) of 94. that's that's
2: unfortunate, because that's some of the dumbest WCW stuff ever. It
1: is, but I'll tell you this. As a 9-year-old, as a 10-year-old, 11-year-old, and all the way up until they went out of business, it was nice to have an alternative.
2: Yes, and I think I commented on this in a previous episode about... If you wanted more wrestling, you could always go watch WCW. And it
1: was good wrestling. It wasn't some, no, like, yeah, that was
2: cheap sh- crap. You know? Yeah, it wasn't, like, an indie fan. No. Like, it was, like, no, this is, like, like has Turner money behind it, and, like, the ring is good, and the lighting's right. good. and you know, it's got some superstars, some of their own, and some guys that were from WWF.
1: And, yeah. I mean, when you know. I started watching, it was literally WWF Jr. Because you had Hogan, you had Savage, Dougie and Honky Tonk Man, Brutus Beefcake was there. To you To know. be
2: fair, go, I, go I feel like the majority of the roster was not just, like, WWF people. Like, they had a whole, like, very comprehensive undercard. Well, they had like,
1: Big Van Vader was there, Diamond Dallas Page, right? Johnny B. Bad.
2: And about that time they were Arn starting Anderson. To, I know I know it's a little early but I know about that time they were starting to phase in Cruiserweights like it was a little later M- but Late saying, 95
1: into 96 yeah.
2: yeah So there was that Malenko
1: Mysterio Mo- Jericho Jericho came in later yeah Eddie a- Guerrero. Guerrero yeah They had such a good alternative to the WWF's product even though they carried a lot of the same faces Yep that helped the experience because you'd be familiar with these faces You'd be familiar but you also they had new
2: adversaries.
1: Exactly. Like, they had new adversaries. Obviously, the NWO blew that up in a totally different direction in a good yeah. way, where you had hey, that's, is that that Hulk
2: Hogan? What's yeah. he doing here? You know, like that kind of thing. Well, you know, you know what? It's funny. You were introduced to WCW with the Hulk Hogan thing, right? I saw it on TV and somehow. I, and I knew, I remember when it was announced, and um... My mom's boyfriend, who's he kind of got me into wrestling, he had mentioned I, that was the first time I heard about WCW. It was like, oh, did you hear Hulk Hogan went to WCW? It's like a big deal. And you were
1: like, what? Yeah.
2: <laughs> anyway, but my first, like, I the my biggest memories of like first watching WCW was the whole Diamond Dallas paid versus uh, Mark Marrow, Johnny B. Bad, whatever. That was fun. Angle. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I always cite it as so good. And it's just one of those angles, it's silly. But it just felt like these two hated each other, and if you recall, yeah, we can go into it. We're talking about WCW, go ahead, right? Go I mean, ahead. Um, basically DDP had a feud with Johnny B. Bad. They kind of you know traded wins and losses for a while, and at some point in along the line, DDP got his hands on the TV title, mm-hmm. and then their feud continued. And then they built this whole thing where, like, Kimberly was, like, or the Diamond Doll. Yeah, because he,
1: he mistreated her. He wasn't very good to her.
2: Well, it was funny, though. And yeah. then he had, like, Max Muscle with him, like, <laughs> yeah. all, like, as a goon.
1: He did have Max Muscle for a while. Yeah, sure. so
2: DDP had, like, this whole entourage, and I'm he just, was, like, an yeah. old-school, like, dicky heel. And Johnny B. Bad was the likable face. And finally, he fa- he faces him in a match where um the escort services of the Diamond Doll are on the line. yeah. And Johnny B. Bad wins, and then she becomes the. uh... I don't uh, know what wh- she was called. I but think she was just Kimberly at first.
1: Yeah, because then then Johnny B. Bad left, and they replaced him with well, the, the Booty Man. There was, that feud.
2: but before that happened, they had one more match. Yes. and this is where the whole angle came like became awesome. This is to one me. of your
1: favorite things. You, it is one. Of, it is
2: one of my favorite things. It should be the one of my favorite things segment. But basically, they reveal that like DDP was rich because like. Kimberly won like the lottery or something bingo money or whatever and he was just spending her money left and right yep and so they had a match where DDP would like now that they were broken up it was like he would give all the money back if he lost or something and he lost and he lost and the best part about this is on Saturday night, like, he would be in, like, the gutter. They would, like, film vignettes where he was, like, a homeless man, and then, like... He would be given his attire away and right. his rings. and, like, the debuting, like, Disco Inferno was, like, coming out with his, like, DDP rings on and, like, yeah. jobbers... jobbers
1: had his tights and stuff.
2: Jobbers in random matches that had nothing to do with DDP yeah. to have his tights on. It was a nice little
1: touch. That was... Yeah. that. See, folks, if you weren't watching at the time, it wasn't like it is now with TNA as your only mainstream and I'm using that term very lightly mainstream right. you know um, rival or you know not even really rival but competition to WWE. At the time there was a period of time where WCW was winning the ratings war.
2: Yeah, they would actually like trade one upsmanship with other yeah. they actually competed that's something you can't really say about anything They nowadays. ran
1: a show against WWF's flagship, Monday Night Raw, yeah. and it beat the shit out of it for almost two years. Yeah.
2: And even before it started beating the shit out of it, it was like a 50-50 like, yeah. proposition. In really. 95 and
1: 96, it was. Yeah. It was a back and forth type of thing. It
2: wasn't like uh, WWF likes to act like they had like some superior product they, beforehand. They didn't. And that they always had a superior product, but they really didn't. WCW was just as good, if not better, at certain points. At
1: certain points, yeah. I mean, yeah. WCW's '94. I'm going to go on the record and say this: WCW's '94 before Hogan got involved, and mm-hmm. even at Bash in the Beach when he did,
2: was it's pretty killer. Yeah. yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, it was really
1: good. Vader, Boss Man, right? Sting, Rude. Yep. he had a great roster: Steve Austin, Brian Pillman. It's true. Cactus Jack. Yeah.
2: And even though they had some bad years even before that and a lot of people like to 93, cite 93 is pretty it's
1: pretty crappy. crappy But look on the other side I mean yeah, that's it, not well regarded no, either No
2: exactly But even before that, even, like, 91, 92, it's not that bad. 91's a little rough. 91's bad because they lose Flair, and they're like, what do we do? Yeah, but but, that would happen. Yeah, but that would happen to anybody if they lost their, like, number one guys. You know what I mean? I guess.
1: I mean, WWF did okay without Hogan in 92 and 93.
2: Yeah, but they were preparing for him to leave. Okay, fair. WCW, just the rug just got snatched under them, and they didn't have Flair and Luger anymore. Fair enough. Now,
1: folks, I I also want to clarify one other thing. When I say WCW, I I mean WCW meaning post Crockett.
2: Yeah, well, that's had, what I'm referring to. Yeah, and and to I, be fair to the Crockett era, that is like great. that's probably way better than anything yeah. WCW ever
1: did. Yeah, but, I'm not even talking NWA. I yeah. mean NWA is great, and th- but that's a whole different animal. I'm, I
2: think WCW gets crapped on as a whole really because of the end rather than its highlight Yeah, years.
1: it got rough after, like, like 99 to 01. Right. It was tough to watch. And I did watch it up until... I didn't watch it in 01, did you? I watched it maybe until I didn't mid, really watch it in 01 or even 2000. Yeah. Like,
2: I kind of was like... Once they you know what it was always like a marker to me and I Let's see if it's the same as it's mine. not. I'm not going to say the logo cuz we always say no, the logo. No, that's a joke. But like one thing and I don't think I've mentioned this before but when they started adding like the hardcore division I'm like, now nah, this is just like copying yes. like it's like there's nothing different.
1: They moved the commentators to ringside after they were always away from the ring for so long. Yeah, that so was like long. the
2: WCW trademark. It's yep. like the commentators were away from the ring.
1: And then they put the refs in stripes.
2: Yeah, they, The they same did, way WWS did.
1: It was all visual cues. Once they
2: took the uniqueness out of the product, everything got darker. Yep. You know, like everything how Raw got it was. Like, and I don't mean darker in like a tone. I mean literally the literally lighting darker. was darker. Yeah. Like, and
1: that, a lot of that was during the Vince Russo era. I'm not sure what he had to do with that, but it coincided with when he was booking for a while. Yeah. That's when it got really hard to watch.
2: Now, I do commend them for one thing during that when they were trying to steer the ship. Mm-hmm. I think it was a bold move, and I don't think it gets a lot of credit. Is doing an actual reboot?
1: They did in April of two thousand, folks. Uh, they brought Eric Bischoff back. They brought Vince Russo back. Right. They both were now on screen, but in real life, working together. Right. And what did they do when they just kind of like stripped all the titles? Basically, right? like
2: Russo and Bischoff together in the ring, united, like trying to say, like, look, no, this is like an organized thing. This yep. isn't kayfabe. Like, we're just coming out here and we're saying, look. Everything starts from scratch. Everyone give up your belts. We're rebooting the product. Sometimes I wish the WWF, WWE now, would do that. Yeah. Because it's just so garbage. (laughs) Like, right? We
1: we were talking that. If
2: anybody would have the courage to fucking (laughs) reboot their product. WCW, I can say that much about them. They They had had, the balls to do that. They had the balls to just say, this isn't working. And we're just going to reboot everything. But
1: didn't it turn into, if I'm not mistaken, and this is probably why it didn't work, didn't it essentially turn into the NWO rehash, but instead of it being the NWO, it was the New Blood versus the Millionaires
2: Club. They tried to, which on paper isn't a bad idea. Mm-hmm. The idea that the veterans are the problem with this company and that the New Blood are like the new up-and-comers and they're going to do it. But the problem was is that the veterans were the faces. Yeah, I don't know how that happened. I don't know if that it was, was intended. Like or, yeah, like, that was bad. Because I think what they did was is by grouping the veterans together the problem is is that you had guys that were pretty much always baby faces like Sting in there mm-hmm. right and yep. it's like well how do you shape Sting as a heel just because he's a veteran that's not fair that's true like, that's that's a good point like doesn't make any sense yeah. right
1: and that's a good point yeah they had a lot of misfires they also had a lot of fun i mean Quinn and i both love the TV title series, the Best of Seven series from best 1998. Best Seven
2: is good. Um, it involves a bad man. But, yeah, Booker but, T
1: and Chris Benoit. In, um, 98 also was great. It had the rise of Chris Jericho.
2: Well, I mean, I know we've talked in general, the TV title in general. Yep. I mean, I would think the two things that always stand out to me in WCW is the cruiserweight division and the television title division. They were like the crown jewels, the unique aspects of WCW and all the ring right. work. Even the stories were good in there. Like, that Johnny B. Bad DDP That's thing, great that was little a story. title thing. That's like, a, yep, it was. It yeah. was a great little story. Uh,
1: I would say that one of the things about WCW that I always noticed as a kid, and I notice now, and it's a credit to the way they presented themselves, it's a credit to their announcers, to Tony Schiavone particularly, is it sounded important yep. when they were wrestling.
2: Yep, This was a sport. This was a sport, and they were going to fight for belts, and that they were like... They always gave this aspect, like, that there was some kind of, like, the whole world of wrestling was, like, there was other federations, but WCW was, like, this is where... I know they said the big boys. I know it's a cliche, but Mm -hmm. this is, like... Look at the adjective. Yeah. This is where the big boys play, huh? Look at the adjective. Play. But... (laughs) <laughs> to not say that, let, let's just say this is where like the top competitors in the world come to compete. Right, like, this
1: is where the best of the best are. Yeah, And if you win our title, you are at the top of your profession. It's
2: kind of ironic. WCW always was known for importance on their belts, right? Yes. and But they committed the most egregious title error that they could have done. And it makes sense that the company sunk once, because that was really they could always their bread and butter was they had the prestige of their world title that could trace it back to George Hackenschmidt and Schmidt and whatever Abraham Lincoln, yeah what Abraham whatever say, that they had that belt true. right yeah. And then by giving it to Arquette, that's when they like that's when it was like that was the last thing they could always hang their hat on and say we have the the, the world title like you're not a wrestler. Now, baby, is that any way to talk to the heavyweight champion of the world? Oh, good God.
1: <laughs> I I don't know, Quinn. I don't know if that's what did them in. That's like puking on a pile of shit. No, it was like I, they were already in the toilet I by the time though, they gave like, it to Arquette. It's a
2: mentality thing. It's it's that... Who did he beat for? That's I can't even remember Jarrett. that. Well, it was like Jeff Jarrett and DDP in like a triple cage thing or something. So and some, Jeff do, Jarrett had the world title? Yeah. That ain't like, no better. And it was... At least he's a wrestler. Yeah. Like... uh, Vince Russo won the title, too.
0: Last week on Nitro, I proved to the entire world that at any given time, I could become
2: the WCW champion. Vince Russo won the title, but Vince McMahon won the WWF title, so whatever. I didn't say that was good. Yeah. But my point is, is that once WCW could, like... They didn't really have anything at that point, right? Mm. By that point. By 2000, yeah. Now the last vestige that they lose is having the prestige of their belts. I mean, they got rid of the TV title, which was so important. True. True. They, they kind of demoted the Cruiserweights like they were garbage. They, like they Kiwi unmasked Kiwi and all that crap. Kiwi. Jindrak. Yeah, <laughs> no, Jindrak. no well, what's his name? I will say Jindrak and Who all cares? them. That was part of the whole like Young Tag Teams movement. That was fine. They, they were the sucky, like, Yeah, they weren't Sean good. O'Hare. Sean O'Hare and Jindrak. <laughs> Whatever. But that was fine because it was like, okay, Young. Young yeah. is fine. That's fine. Yeah. But when you get rid of your TV title and you... You make your world title look like bullshit. Why Wait. should I ever care about anything in this company anymore?
1: The finger poke didn't do them any favors it either. With but the world at least, title,
2: at least it's about who's holding it. And even I if guess. it's a finger poke, it go it went to Hulk Hogan. It's fucking Hulk Hogan. I mean, it's Hulk. It's they, Hulk can, Hogan. they can shield a little bit of that. Sure. So you're saying Ar-
1: Arquette? You're not saying Arquette was the nail on the coffin, but you're saying it was a it was like a bit of a fatal blow,
2: right? Because you're you're basically your bedrock. Is your titles... Is the guy
1: from Scream. No, <laughs> no. the
2: title? <laughs> I'm not saying he's the bedrock. I'm yeah. saying your titles themselves were a big bedrock of this company. Right. And to just... Like, they're done? <laughs> like, what else do you have left to hold on? It's just an indie fed at that point.
1: With a very expensive television deal. Yeah. And that's one of the things that wasn't picked up. And that's what happened, folks. It just unceremoniously was bought by Vince McMahon. No TV yeah. stations would pick it up. And it's been over 15 years now, going on 16 Sometimes I wish that there was suitable competition.
2: Right, and um, I didn't want to end it on a bad note, but um, I wanted to just remember the good things about WCW. I mean, there were so many good moments too. I I don't, I don't want to just stop there. I I want to say, like, listen. Like Luger winning the world title from Hulk Hogan, even though it
1: was only for a few days, that it was, was so huge. happy. Yeah, and,
2: and the time that Dean Malenko was cyclope. and, and unmasked and, against and a, Jericho, un, sure. and Jericho didn't see it coming, and it cru- he yeah. was like this horrible cruiserweight champion sure. that was making a mockery. Yeah, and again. Bedrock, the titles were respected and you had a guy disrespecting it and he was big heel because of it.
1: Yeah, that's very true. Like There was a lot of great moments about WCW. What made them great is when they were different than yeah, WWF. Exactly. When they had to or tried to become a light, watered-down version of WWF, it didn't work No, because that wasn't the heart of WCW. Their core
2: audience was coming because it was unique and different.
1: It wasn't the the WWE. Because of the tradition, because of the history, because of loyalty.
2: You know, say what you will about Ric Flair in the later years, but I said this in an episode, what he represented was that tradition in that time. Yes. And you kind of needed him there. Like, even if he was just going to lose or whatever, because he wasn't winning anymore. Not really. But it was the idea that Ric Flair's there and that he's a carryover from the days when they were... You know the best,
1: right? Savage take or leave him. Hogan take him or leave him. Right, all those right. WWF guys, but Flair that was WCW. Yeah, Flair he, and Sting. Flair and Sting that was them. were WCW. Yeah. So that'll wrap it up on this segment, folks. I um I also wanted to mention one little minor thing. Bret Hart always seemed to call it the WCW
0: WCW,
1: <laughs> which I thought was very funny. <laughs> but anyway, speaking of funny, we're gonna take a break. We'll be back right after this. Promotional
0: consideration paid for by the following. We're back with WCW Goldberg's in trouble Ming to the front Back he goes With a turnbuckle Into the gut But Goldberg rebounds With a headbutt Ming on the outside Ming gets a chair Goldberg gets a chair This could get ugly They're gonna They're gonna well, They're gonna eat pizza Little Caesars WCW meal Get a free WCW motion card When you order two medium pizzas
1: For just 9 dollars Collect all four Pizza pizza
0: I'll trade you these three For Goldberg Nope you're listening to Our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast, the fastest-growing weekly episodic retro wrestling audio podcast in the
2: world.
1: Welcome back to Our Vantage Point, your Retro Wrestling Podcast, this Monday, January 9th, two thousand seventeen. Quinn, I understand there's something going on about us being this growing oh, audio. You mean, you know, we're the
2: fastest-growing weekly episodic retro wrestling audio podcast in the world. Yeah. I think that's right. right? That's us, yeah. yeah. And
1: you can help us grow. You can follow us on Twitter, and you can tweet at us. You can tweet us pictures. You can tweet us thoughts, yeah. questions, comments. Complaints. There's other things you can do too.
2: What else can you do? They can give us a rating on iTunes.
1: You know what? That would be nice. Actually, that would help us out. Maybe we can get that Colt Cabana. You know, yeah,
2: we, we can catch surpass up to him. Colt Cabana, and <laughs> and uh, you know all the other the the. The list i don't know what it's called there's like an nxt the, the, the rush, I, I, the rush. What it's I, I don't know what it's called it's I, it's the, the only re, it's the only wrestling podcast i ever see the new noteworthy and one day i want to catch it. it can't be that noteworthy if you don't remember the name of it yeah the, the rush it's, it's some nxt podcast the rush something about Aunt hawk i don't know <laughs> Who knows? I never
1: listened to it. That's fine. So our next segment, folks, is called What Do You Think Of? Quinn is going to ask me what I think of something. I don't know what it is. Let's find out.
2: Okay, so this one, I always like to make it fun for the What Do You Think Of? Yes, you do. So what do you think of... Drumroll. Uh-oh. Managers.
1: Managers? Oh, uh it's a lost art. Yeah, I miss managers. I love
2: managers. I mi-
1: I miss the idea of there being someone that handles a wrestler's contracts. Right
2: matches. And maybe we should discuss kind of the background of why there is managers first.
1: Well, back in the day, way back in the day, there used to be managers 70s, yeah. s- 60s, mostly
2: prominent they started really in the 70s, yeah, I'd say like 70s. having like big time managers.
1: And what they would do basically is their whole idea is that they would be the mouthpiece for their wrestler. Right. And, and that's the ba- behind the scenes, but there's also the kayfabe The kayfabe is that they were handling all of their contracts. They were signing the matches. They were handling
2: the purse money. They were handling
1: the money, right? Yeah,
2: like, that. there was, like, just by them existing gives you this background kayfabe world that there's, like, some kind of business involved in just the wrestlers wrestling. Right, exactly. Like,
1: that there was more than meets the eye. It wasn't just a guy in a bathing suit punching another guy in a bathing suit.
2: Right. If you look at wrestling before... That era, I mean, really, managers kind of coincide with wrestling starting to ramp up and get bigger, I would say, in the 70s, really.
1: I guess so. I don't know of any notable managers from before the 60s. I mean, I know Bobby Heenan was already managing in the 60s. Yeah,
2: but I mean, he was also probably wrestling in the 60s. He was also
1: wrestling in the 60s. Blassie was an early manager, 70s.
2: But. That kind of brings us to, I guess, the first managers. The
1: wave. Of the first, first The, the wave, big three, right? right? Well, the WWWF, yeah, have yeah. Captain Lou Albano.
2: Hey, paisanos, it's the Super Mario Brothers Super Show! He yep. was
1: immensely successful.
2: Excellent manager, too. Yeah,
1: as a mouthpiece. I mean, he was unparalleled at the time. He made people hate him and his
2: wrestler. What I like about Albano is that he could... It almost was like anything this guy did... They would hate yes and it, it to the point where like remember we were watching that like that 70s championship wrestling or something and like not the one we reviewed like another mm-hmm. one And, like, Vince is just, like, the disdain in his voice. (laughs) He called him, like, a big, fat slob. Yes, he did. He called him a big, fat slob. It was like he was universally hated. People just couldn't stand the guy. He drew heat. He drew money. He would do things like, um, if he was managing, like, a Japanese wrestler, he'd say fake Japanese. Yes. Like, like as if, and because it was, like, the 70s and there wasn't, like, the internet, people couldn't, like, look up what Japanese sounded like. They just (laughs) thought he was, they thought he was probably, like... Some evil foreigner, or he was, like, co- he was like mingling with evil foreigners. Right. And he knew their language and stuff, and that he was just, like, this crazy guy, basically.
1: Right, and then you had a guy like Freddie Blassie, classy Freddie Blassie, who, the Hollywood fashion plate, right? Right, that, that was thought he nickname. was better than everyone. Thought he was better, he called was everyone. He was rich. He was rich. He called everyone a pencil neck geek. Right. And
0: those pencil neck geeks out there don't know what's going on.
1: He also, infamously or famously, depending on one, how you want to look at it, managed the
2: Iron Sheik. Right. And he was what, Quinn? He was the Ayatollah Blassie. <laughs> and that. there you go, again, with the more heat. <laughs> yup. Uh, a lot of the managers, I always feel that in those early days, those big three, was it was a lot about capitalizing on foreigners, and that if a manager who was American was managing a foreigner, he would almost, like, adopt— Yes, the the like like the culture. Sure, like, that happened. just to piss off the crowd. Absolutely, because you have to remember when Blassie was doing this. It's like there was the whole Iran cold War cold, too. Also, the Iran Oil, crisis, oil was crisis was only a couple of years before. Sure, the hostage and, situation and, and the Iran Contra scandal mm-hmm. and all this stuff. Like there was like a it, it kind of coincide with the news and stuff, right? Right. The manager's
1: job up until it became a lost art, which I guess we'll get into as we go on. Yeah. Was to draw heat, right? draw money, and make people want to see the matches of the guy that he was managing.
2: Right, and also talk for him. If and talk, talk. talk for him, yeah. Now, sometimes it seemed like it was neither here or there with um, the talking part early on. From what I'm seeing when I'm watching older stuff now, there's some guys who can talk and have managers, but they're just big heels. right. Absolutely, and
1: and we should also clarify, the, the really successful managers, the really notable ones, they were usually heel managers. Face managers were, and still are, very nondescript.
2: Well, it, do, it doesn't... I never understood why a face would need a manager.
1: Well, how like, about Arnold Skulland? He managed Backlund and uh, San Martino before well, that. It wasn't...
2: All that really was is to make Backlund look more squeaky clean, basically. Was, and legitimate, like, maybe. It's, yeah, it's like, oh, this guy's got, like... It's, Arnie was almost like a coach... Yeah. rather than a manager. Remember he
1: sat, we were making fun of yeah. him because when we reviewed that one a couple weeks ago, he yeah. sat in the chair
2: but at ringside. I don't know if there's any vignettes from the 70s or anything, but I would just envision there would be something where Arnold Skolin's like training Bob Backlund in a gym or something. Like, that's like what he is. I, yeah, you're probably right. You know, like, that's probably the, the mentality with it's, it. He's like Mick or something from Rocky.
1: He's like Mick from Rocky, but not but as entertaining. Let's
2: let's get through this big three. Yeah. The, the Grand Wizard. The Grand Wizard who wore like a turban. Which is automatically makes him a heel. <laughs> but he was a white guy. He was just a, he was He's kind of like an Italian guy. Guinea, I think. Uh, probably Jewish. Yeah, er- I don't know Ernie what he was. Roth. Yeah. Was his real name. Okay, so. yeah, he was Jewish then. And he just was like a skinny guy in a suit. Well, to begin with, I see nothing
1: sensational about Rocky Johnson except his delusions of grandeur.
2: Yeah. He was just sleazy. He was he was just, he was was just basically before Slick. He was kind of the Slick. I guess, if you want... Yeah, the C-level manager, sure. Right, he was the low-tier manager, but he was kind of slimy. Yeah. Like, almost Jimmy Hart kind of, too. Almost
1: Jimmy Hart. Like, he... Um, Graham Wizard died, and I, I want to say, I don't know, 82, 83. They... Be, Fuji became a manager in the mid-'80s, and Fuji was another notable manager. Right. He was... The devious one, Quinn. And can you elaborate on that for the folks a little bit?
2: What I like about Fuji with that devious thing as is a that manager, he he would always smile, mm-hmm. right,
0: Mister Fuji? If I may, of course, a tremendous Chinatown population here in the Bay Area. Perhaps some words in your native tongue to whatever few <laughs> fans you may have. I am not Chinese, so, so sorry. Ha <laughs> ha! Joke on you, Boi-san.
2: And you, you, it's they uh-huh. call him. Yeah, gonna, you know? They'd always call him devious because you're almost like. What is this guy's motive? Yeah, like, what's you can't, he up to? You can't tell because he. And then sometimes he'll just hit somebody with a cane for no yeah, reason. Yeah, or throw salt at him. Yeah, right. Without without any provocation or anything. Like usually managers would have to be like, you know, poked or prodded a little bit before they might get involved. Yeah, but, but- Fuji would just for freaking no reason in the middle of the match, just like. Eh. Yeah, like throw, the, throw the sand at him. Yeah.
1: Ceremonial salt. Or dirt. Yeah,
2: whatever it was. I, Baby powder. I liked Fuji as a manager. I do like Fuji. And I, then the, the cool thing about Fuji is that they kind of kept going with him. Like, they would, like, do the Fuji vice with Don Morocco. Yeah, which is like, great. Yeah, there was, like, this weird, like, also Fuji kind of had a sense of humor kind of thing. Yeah, he was an entertaining character. Yeah, and he also could be serious,
1: too. Absolutely. And another guy, like, you didn't like him at the time. You know, no. Like, no one did. You're not like, oh, man that Mr. Fuji is awesome. It's a different era. You're like, no, kick that guy's ass. He's throwing salt at the people I like. Plus, he's
2: he's got the evil foreigner. Evil foreigner, right. And I would say Fuji's a good transition if we're going to talk out of the big three. Yeah. Basically, if you wanted to look at how managers were originally... The way the WWF worked was basically it was those three would manage basically all the heels. Yeah, a
1: lot of heels. If you were managed, you usually meant something.
2: There wasn't really heels who didn't have a manager. It was there was then. a period
1: of time where it's yeah. true. It was rare to not have one right. if you were a heel.
2: Right. So then they get into the Hogan era, right? Yeah. So all by these this, managers are kind of phasing out right. the big three. By
1: this time, Grand Wizard has died. Lassie retired in '86 and brought in the uh, Slick, who we'll get to in one sec. Mm-hmm. And then um, Albano became heel, or he became face, face. face. Sorry.
2: So Albano became face. So then we bring in a guy like Slick. You bring in the Slickster, right? And the Slickster now—I love the Slickster <laughs> because it's like no shame. This yeah. character, like, right? Like,
0: why in the world would a man who is a former intercontinental heavyweight champion, a man who is respected and cheered and loved, adored by these revered media? Oh, don't you shut up and give me a chance, but I got to say, you onion. here He
2: clearly looks like he's either a pimp a or drug a cocaine dealer, dealer yeah. something nefarious that somehow he got money, and all of a it's, sudden, but he's, it's very shady, it's not on the up and up, right. right. Like Gorilla used to say, I would not buy a used car from (laughs) the Slickster. Or I
1: wouldn't trust him as far as I can throw him across the street, Jess. Yeah, exactly. Something
2: like that. And it was just Slick was. He was slick. He was slick. He 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 literally was slick. The doctor of style. He was the doctor of style. Where's he getting all this money? You could never figure it out. It was never really explained. And he was a great
1: manager, in my opinion, maybe even an underrated manager. Because, well, first of all, the music we all we all love
2: Jive Soul, Jive Bro. Soul Bro, yeah, of
1: course, awesome song. But he was he did stuff. He interfered. He he got enough.
2: involved, especially in his earlier days. Now, the funny part is, Slick was is he was actually like a skinny dude. Yes. And so, when the faces finally had enough of them, he was great at song. Even when they would just grab him by the collar, he would jump all over the place, like like the. Babyface was the strongest person in the world. Yep, and if he got punched, he'd fly across the yeah, ring. Right? He,
1: he was great at taking the bumps and yeah. stuff like that. Now we—I uh, don't want to spend too much time on this one particular person because we could do a whole episode but bobby heenan might be the best manager i've ever seen bobby heenan
2: is the greatest manager of all time in my opinion i I would agree and if we're going chronologically here he's in this era you can't talk about managers without talking about bobby the brain Fantastic. i don't want to go too much into him as far as a manager is concerned excellent he did everything that a manager should do he made everyone seem important yep he had a stable.
1: He had a stable, he, a family,
2: he called he, it. He had a family. Now, Bobby, I think, was kind of unique because they would rough it, looked like. It seems like they would roughly mention that there was a stable, but Bobby was big on the... All these guys are his, his friends of his, and they'll work together. Yep. Like, if there was a Royal Rumble or something, like, yeah. the Heenan family would gang up on people. They would people. gang up
1: on them. Yep. Right.
2: Like, it's that there was, like, collusion with <laughs> Bobby's people. Yeah. And you're, he did everything that a manager sh- should do. He got his
1: guys over. He talked for them. He generated heat for them. Right. Hell, WrestleMania three being the prime
2: example. Right. He... Bobby was where he was at because he was that good. He was that damn. And if we're good. just gonna, let's just keep it at a managing aspect sure. for Bobby, right? Yeah, it makes sense that he, as the best manager they had, that he would take on the mantle of Andre the Giant, the biggest, yes, the biggest heel turn. Yeah, absolutely would be perpetrated by Bobby and, the Brain heater. Yep, exactly. And his, he managed him until up until WrestleMania until six, his career was over basically. Yep. And Bobby, you know. Bobby just it it was always exciting too. There was always this element of Bobby was so big, but he would fail a lot, right? Yes, because he was always facing the. It was either all or nothing fa- fighting Hogan. He, he right. Was, it was almost always against Hogan. Yeah, you right. can't beat Hogan. But back when then. Bobby got a got an Intercontinental title or a tag, tag team title, title it yeah. seemed like the biggest deal in the world. And it was like, well, that's. E- I also felt like there was this aspect of well, it's easy for Bobby to get an Intercontinental title or a, yeah. a tag title because he's just such a good manager. And he
1: he had two great tag champions, Rick Root. I mean, a uh, Intercontinental. Champions Rick Rude and Mr. Perfect, yeah.
2: And I felt the one I always felt, and I don't know if this is true or not, but that they gave Bobby Ric Flair as almost like an honorary, like, okay, you're not going to be managing anymore, but let's say that we can put in your your resume, basically, you managed a world champion. He
1: and he technically did, and that was implicit and somewhat explicit. He was Flair's manager, but he was called his um, financial advisor, and Mister Perfect was his like executive executive consultant. consultant. But Bobby Heenan was definitely a part of managing Ric Flair. Right, he exactly. just did it from the broadcast booth. Right, he still managed him in name. Exactly. In name, he didn't right. accompany him to ring. He did a couple of times early in Flair's run. He right. did, well, he, he was
2: the one to bring the belt and yep. and, and propose a match with Hogan right. at SummerSlam 91.
1: You're bringing in one of the biggest names in the business. It's only natural that you give him the biggest manager in the business. Right Now, there's another manager that came into the WWF around the same time, and that would be
2: Jimmy Hart. He was a little B-tier. Yeah, B-tier, a little under um, Bobby. A little under Bobby. Um, I'd say he was higher than Slick. He was. He had... Um, he was he, mostly tag teams, I always felt, Bobby. Yeah. He, or Jimmy was... Jimmy, he had Jimmy the, was mostly tag teams, and the Honky Tonk Man. And he
1: had the Honky Tonk Man? was his crown jewel. He had the Heart Foundation? Yeah. He had some good guys. He had Earthquake, who I really like. You yeah,
2: know? I always liked Jimmy because with him managing, it always felt like he had a guy with a title, always. He, he did. He, he <laughs> often, he had the nasties.
1: Yeah, and he got involved, too, and that megaphone, that ever-present megaphone would mm-hmm. be
2: used, you know? that You had to watch for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Jimmy Hart was—he was just a good manager. He was good at being obnoxious.
0: You know, baby, I've managed a lot of great tag teams in the past, but I have never, ever managed a tag team like I am
2: managing now. Let me introduce to you, I call them Rhythm and Blues! I think that was Absolutely. like his— like. His strength is that he could antagonize a crowd.
1: Right. And um, when he turned face, he became irrelevant. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Especially as a Hogan crony for I was like, that it. gorilla called him a pipsqueak. Oh, yeah. And yeah. even Bobby Heenan would, but he would pretend he wouldn't. He'd be yeah. like, yeah, that little run. He'd yeah, be like, exactly. What did you
2: say? It was almost like the <laughs> other managers resented because Jimmy Hart, if you look at his resume it's kind of successful, yeah he had tag champions a
1: lot He had the Intercontinental champion he always sure. seemed to
2: have a champion he like did a, he was a successful manager yeah, exactly, so yeah Jimmy Hart are we who are we forget now at the end of the eighties here from the end of the eighties I mean that's that's kind of the 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 big three
1: or if you count Fuji the big four of that era right what happened is once Bobby wound down, you had Jimmy Hart still right. You had Harvey Whippleman. Like, who cares? (laughs) This is
2: where it gets rough, and this is where it starts to kind of end. A bright spot was Cornette. Clarence Mason. Clarence Mason was okay, yeah. Yeah. And uh, you'd have to say... Cornette was kind of okay. He was all right. He's I not thought, as good I, as he thinks he is. Oh, yeah, without question. Cornette is, was not the best manager, right? No, like, he was good. I always felt like he never wanted to take a bump because he took too many in NWA well, he, or yeah, something. Yeah, he fucked his knees up. Yeah. Um,
1: but you know what? we got to give a couple of honorable mentions here to some, some good managers before we wrap up. Paul Heyman.
2: Yes, Paul Heyman. Or Paulie Dangerously. Paul,
1: or Paulie Dangerously. Now, then and now. I mean, He he's, is
2: kind of, the to me, he's the only guy that's carrying the manager mantle anymore.
1: He's the closest you can get to a Bobby Heenan type. Yep. He might be almost as good. But Paul is more serious. He's more serious. The idea
2: is that Brain was... The idea with Brain was, it was almost kind of like... Brain's supposed to be smart, but he really isn't. He's kind, doofy. He's kind of doofy. <laughs> yeah. Paul Heyman is literally like a maniacal genius. Yeah. Like right. Like he's an evil genius he's rather evil than, genius. A, than, than a smart guy.
1: Yeah. That's true. Like and he's you can trust him to to do his
2: damnedest to get something over. I can't believe he's he, what he's doing right now with Brock. Yeah. How he how he turned that that stupid loss. Yep. Into no, this is a motivated Brock. You don't know what you've just. Yeah, like, exactly. And you've made it worse. Right, like, and now a
1: few weeks, what the hell's going to happen at the Rumble? Yeah, you know? exactly. I want to know
2: now, because Heyman helped turn this around. Yeah, because around. Heyman told me, oh shit, this guy's motivated now? Right. But Paul was better, like, he's always he's been... He's always like, been good, yeah. He managed Sabu, RVD. He's, and he's always been a great talker. <clears throat> the Dangerous Alliance. Yes, the Dangerous Alliance. You know, in
1: WCW, speaking yep. of them. Um, you know what? I thought early Sonny was a great manager, too.
2: She was. I liked... The idea of her using people, it's, a, it, it's all akin to Sherry, really. Sherry was the best female manager yeah, ever. I mean, before we even talk about Sunny, you have to say Sherry. Yeah. I mean, we had a whole thing on Sherry, but... Yeah, and you can check it out on YouTube, by the way. Yeah, you can. And Sherry is just... What, what more can you say than what we said? One and of the best there's ever been. She's one of the best there's ever been. She... The reason that she was good is because she could get, as far as managing, if we're just talking about managing, is that she had all the nuances down. Yes. Like, on an emotional level.
1: Yep. You know, the, th- the cool thing about Sherry is she got involved physically. Right. The same way a man would. <laughs> I yeah. Mean, that, was, that was cool.
2: Yeah. That she was a femme fatale.
1: She was a femme fatale. Now, I got to say, and it's sad that he's no longer with us, one of the up-and-coming managers in my mind, we got to see him live a bunch of times, was um, Larry Sweeney.
2: Larry Sweeney wow he was he was you know what he should awesome. have been he was basically the successor to bobby, bobby the like he would have been like the best thing ever he like, was awesome he he could do it all he could take a bump he could get he, a crowd pissed he off could talk. he was great he could great. Talk. He, he, I, he could he could manage a stable
1: yep he did sweet and yeah. sour ink yeah quinn and i had the privilege of seeing him numerous times at roh i,
2: I loved him yeah like, he, he was, was fantastic he was really really good
1: so the manager in itself, I mean, you got you got your Paul Heyman. Eh, Summer Rae was good for a while at ringside.
2: She's okay. I mean she I was. feel like they never gave her the chance. No. The funniest Summer Rae managing thing to me was when she uh, managed Rusev briefly. That
1: was so stupid. But yeah. she
2: was funny about it because she would like call him like Ruru and like and how she proposed to him. She was like so in love with him. Yeah. Like, she may not be much in the ring, but Summer's actually pretty talented. She, she she's is. pretty she's pretty. Good. I'm glad to hear that because I always. She is just I. There's something about her, like yeah. I don't know what it is, but she's just very good at what she does. She had some, she has some, some nuance, yeah, you know, some character. She might, they might not give her the chance to have that they nuance, never will. but when they, <laughs> whenever they do, if it comes out, yeah, especially that Rusev thing, and hell, she even like w- the Fandango stuff was fun. I liked her with Fandango. Yeah. I liked how she would react to things at ringside.
1: It was like his match mattered. Yeah, exactly. You know? and, like she's hanging on his every whim. So, I guess to wrap this one up, I mean, yeah, I'm glad you brought that one up, Quinn. Managers are definitely something that, uh, when done right, really enhance the product. Yeah. Exactly. Don't you think? I agree. That's why I brought it up. I think so, yep. and it's sad that there aren't as many of them as there used to be. Now everyone has to deliver their own horribly scripted promo.
2: You can't have managers anymore because nope. the, the everything's scripted. The whole point of a manager is they're ad-libbing, basically. Yeah, that
1: was one of their original things, to talk.
2: Right, and if they can't even talk on their own, of their own accord, then what the hell's the point of them? Yeah,
1: now you got 20 guys in a room writing stuff for people to say. Notice
2: if- the only guy that they let talk is the only manager they really have is Paul Heyman yeah
1: <laughs> that's true it's a good point Yep. so we're gonna transition right into our next segment yep which is called one of my favorites and Quinn one of my favorite things <laughs>
2: I think you'll like this one yeah was the winged eagle belt oh yeah I love the winged eagle belt It's so good. That that is the WWF championship. To me too, right? They should just bring it back. It is the epitome
1: of the WWF championship belt. Yeah. And folks, if you don't know what the winged eagle is, that was the belt that was used. Hogan was the first one to wear it. He wore it to the ring at the main event, February 2nd,
2: 1988, to fight Andre. I love... It just looks so squeaky clean it, at that point, it's, doesn't yeah, it? Like, brand it's new. Bright like, gold. Yep. Like, the gold is just shining.
1: Yep. Like, <laughs> it was the one awarded to Randy Savage, of course, when he won the world title right. at WrestleMania four, And then it passed through the hands of Hogan, Ultimate Warrior, Sgt. Slaughter.
2: Yep. Hogan again. Right. <laughs> Undertaker had it. Flair. Shawn Michaels. Shawn Bret Michaels. Hart. Bret Hart. Uh, the list goes on, right? Diesel Steve had it. Steve
1: <laughs> Austin was the last to have it. Right. The night after WrestleMania, he unceremoniously dropped it on Vince's foot, which was comedic. Now Vince, and
2: Vince brought Vince it gave back him one more time, if I remember, right? It was like for Kane or something yeah, like you that. Know in what? like a in it like a case. <laughs> yes, like, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Sometime in like September of ninety eight,
1: Vince was gonna award the world title. 'Cause it was vacant yeah. after a breakdown pay per view.
2: Yeah. And it was the old winged eagle and I in was the case. I got excited. So did I. Did I. Was, I was like, Oh oh good, they're gonna go back to this one. But
1: of course Austin crashed the ceremony, possibly with the Zamboni, I'm not yeah. sure. I think
2: they, yeah, and then I think he won the title back that night and then the smoke and skull appeared. We just after never that. saw yeah. the um we yeah, never, never saw never the winged back. eagle. Yeah. And to well, me- until it became the hardcore title. Yeah, but
1: uh-huh. that was like in, that was intentional. Yeah. The Winged Eagle was the belt where if you had the wrestling figure mm-hmm. and you had the belt, you wanted to make your guy win that title so you could put it on him and see how it looked. Now,
2: the Hasbro one, it was like silvery, though. It wasn't I, gold. I, 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 always, I, I know, know but I make. loved the way it looked. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, you know what you know what that bell is interesting to me What Most world titles the middle parts like really big Yes but the winged eagle it's smaller I've heard that as a criticism but to I me like it. it just yeah it just looks so classy It looks classy it looks even It does Like it doesn't make the side panels look shitty <laughs> right. right
1: There are some like real Disasters of belts before that Like the
2: one Hogan won from the Iron Sheik That one is terrible (laughs) You know why it's bad? It's just got too much Going on (laughs) on it like it's got like an Olympic man in the front, and it's like it's like just a stupid circle. It's got that it's stupid green. green. It looks like a hubcap on yeah. the front of it. Yeah, so it makes that look like a hubcap. And then like the other problem with it is is to hold those little platelets with all the champions. It's like super wide on the sides. Like it's almost like wider than the belt itself. Yeah, it looks really doofy. It's terrible. It looks like a collection of like silver plates. I like to think the champagne melted that in the Andre Hogan celebration. I love it nice
1: hey, you are the champion now <laughs> yeah that's nice of you i'm really proud of you and then hogan had a decent one like in the mid-80s like wrestlemania like uh two that and stuff okay. like that that one's okay one at three
2: yeah yeah that three not that's that, that one's okay but that's like it's like almost like the prototype because it starts adding that like hump on the top yeah it gets thing, humpy on top which is what the winged eagle kind of was it was like a circle that kind of came out a little bit of its show, right? it just looked like
1: champion to me.
2: Yeah, and yeah, it's just, it's a better belt, and it is not the first small design belt like that, because if you notice, the world title in the 70s is kind of like a smaller design. Well, they
1: had a different guy making them back then. They, they had, all look the same. Yeah, I know. They had Reggie Parks make all those belts in the 80s and uh he did the IC, he did the tag. Those like those
2: crappy ones before the good ones.
1: No, right? no, Reggie Parks did the good ones. Oh, I'm he saying. did the good ones. He did the good ones.
2: I was going to bring that up actually. Yeah, we can talk about other belts too. Um because I like the whole series of belts from that era. I like what the tag belts look like. I like what the Intercontinental oh, God. title. The Intercontinental, I mean, the Intercontinental Everyone love, loves what the Inter- I love to this that. point they brought it they back. They actually brought it, it, it back. It is still the Intercontinental. But the but the I think really the tag belts get overlooked. They were great. They those belts look like one of them is a big deal. Not just like they look like a guy could come to the ring by themselves and those could be a world title. Absolutely. You know, it's like a great belt. And not to mention in that era, I know it's un- completely unrelated, but the million dollar belt. Awesome. Oh, it's yeah, awesome. of course. Like,
1: I mean, only a couple of guys have ever held it. You yeah, know. and Virgil's
2: Virgil. Virgil was one of them.
1: Steve Austin was one of them. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I believe Ted DiBiase
2: Jr. was one of them. Yes, that's the one I was forgetting. Did Goldust win it from him somehow? I hope not. I don't know. I don't think so. There's got to be a definitive million-dollar champion list.
1: Million-dollar champion Now, Shah. the only one that
2: looks stupid in that time period, if I recall, was the ladies' belt. Yeah, but it's not that they gave a crap about no. the ladies' division. Is that the one that... Did they still in that time have the one with Mula's face on it? No, that? I don't think so. Did they? When was the one? The one? Oh, the Sherry belt. The well, one Sherry had in like '88. That's not the Medusa belt because that one's actually good.
1: The Medusa one's okay. Yeah, the one, I actually yeah. like
2: that they um the, on the new women's title that they made it white like the Medusa belt. Yeah, I did like that. I like that too. That was like a little nod.
1: Now, Quinn, what did you think of the belt that came right after the Winged Eagle? The big, the big the blue eagle. one. Yeah, I think they call it the <clears throat> big eagle, or the.
2: I like the blue one. The problem yeah. with the blue one is they didn't really use it until Triple H. Yeah, because Austin almost immediately had the smoking skull, right? Yeah, and then like, yeah, it was just like you never saw it, and <laughs> then like, it really by, it really was by the time like Triple H was the chi- well, the Rock, had the Rock it. used it sometimes. Yeah, the Rock used it sometimes too. But didn't even the Rock and I have it all the time? Like, I feel like it wasn't used regularly until Triple H. Um. I think it was Triple H was well. No, the Rock used it. He did. He I don't did really at WrestleMania fifteen. I think
1: uh, sixteen.
2: What's the one where the Rock faced Austin the first time? Oh, the Fi- Rock
1: you're talking about fifteen. Sorry, yeah,
2: Rock had that. Blue he had it.
1: Yeah, yeah had it but the smoking skull was like anytime austin had it pretty much which was
2: like all of the late 90s was a lot of (laughs) yeah it was like they and they i felt like they almost had to just keep it the smoking skull it almost like when john cena had the spinny belt yeah it felt like the reason they never went back for so long was because cena was just always winning the title back a million times so like it would be dumb to switch it right that was gonna get me to the
1: the cena one the undisputed one i kind of liked from like oh one oh two
2: yeah, I, re- the I really... spinny. I like it. Oh, it's okay. Um, this is actually... It's interesting. We're talking about belts. Yes. I actually wish... I like the idea of an undisputed unified champion coming in the ring with two belts. Do you? I do, because I think it just makes them look better. Like, I think it, it's awesome. Like,
1: What do you think of their belt design now? The universal and all um, that stuff.
2: Okay, so it's like just
1: a giant logo.
2: Well, okay, so I actually, believe it or not, I like the World Heavyweight Championship. Why? I I don't know. It just kind of works because it's the black and all that. It's fine. All right. That's fine, right? Yeah. Where it gets stupid is the tag titles. Why? Because they're just, they look like big pennies. (laughs) Like, they look... They do. Yeah, they look like big pennies. I agree. And then, finally, they have a chance to redesign the tag titles, right, for SmackDown, right? Yes. And what did they do? They just do the pennies blue with pennies. blue. Like, <laughs> blue what? Pennies. No, get rid of the pennies. They yeah. got to go. The pennies, the pennies got... look like shit. Why would you make the tag titles bronze? <laughs> like, it just makes them look shittier. It
1: does. The tag belts look like shit. At least the Intercontinental looks good.
2: Yes. You and know? You know what? I've got the U.S. title has grown on me just because they haven't altered it Yeah, for It's so not long. bad, actually. Yeah, it's really not a bad it's belt. It's not. Like, it, it, honestly, it's a good, like,. You know, it's a good successor yeah. to the other U.S. It's style. solid, yeah. It's, it's solid. It, it's solid, yeah. You know,
1: you know, one of my least favorite belts from WWE was was the redesigned Intercontinental in '98. Yeah. When they got rid of the classic design. I liked design. it at first. Ugh. And
2: then, Hard. actually, it was over time I started hating it because it just felt less and less m- meaningful. What, like a 16-year-old design that? It yeah. looked like
1: shit. It, it just w- looked terrible. It looked
2: like garbage. It looked
1: like an unlicensed, like, Korean video game belt.
2: It's funny because like it Like does- Mr.
1: Ding Ding <laughs> versus, like, Chip Chop
2: Aww. Boardwalk
1: but it does make i'm not being it, offensive i'm it saying does like mat- the game is offensive yeah
2: but it does matter what the the belt looks like a little bit right it matters what
1: the belt looks like yes yeah, cuz
2: if the especially in the intercontinental's case it almost even though they it, were the ones booking it, they devalued still, it by changing the design. Yeah, it still ought, it, it didn't matter if it was the best booking in the world. The belt looks like like the I wouldn't want to that, that. <laughs> somebody's carrying around with them,
1: right? And that's why it annoyed me that they kept this that they kept the spinner
2: belt and the design of it for so damn long. You just Something looked like a this, tool holding that thing. The thing with the spinner belt is, if you notice. After even John Cena had it, they took the the spinner. It didn't spin. It didn't anymore. spin anymore. And it actually looked okay once it didn't spin anymore. I don't know if I'd say it looked okay. It was it was except I kind of again it some belts just grow on you no matter how dumb they look. True. And that was one of them. It just kind of yeah. grew on me. Well, like it. it that's all. It's not. I, I'm not saying it's good. It's not. Yeah. The Winged Eagle is my favorite. The Winged Eagle, without question. Without question. Yeah, I mean it is the best. An Intercontinental title, close second. Um yeah, sure. Honorable mention, though. TV title. WCW TV title was great. We're mentioning TV title again in this episode. And big but... gold belt. You can't beat that. I mean, that's a great belt too. I'm. You know, like... neither here or there with the big old. The big old belt is good, as like I said, a unified secondary belt that you're holding. Isn't because that it, what looks, it, was? it looks like a legacy belt. That's what it was. Yeah. In WWE, well, I'm saying as WCW's main title, I didn't like yeah. it as the main belt.
1: It was better than their world title that they had in like the mid 90s yeah. before they got that belt back. What did you back. think
2: of the original cruiserweight title? It's okay, kind of like whatever. Yeah, not a huge fan of it. Did you like the um, ECW title? That's yes, a I unique did. title. Yes, uh, I like the
1: ECW title.
2: It, it with the like kind of barbed wire yep. like etched into it. Yeah, that version of it. Yeah, that, that one's look pretty good. To it. And I actually like the ECW TV title was pretty good
1: yeah wasn't that somewhat like the intercontinental if i'm not mistaken or was it at their t-
2: first but then they ecw-fied it once they had a little money right yeah okay that yeah. version i'm talking about so
1: so there you go that's one of my favorites though quinn yeah it's a the good winged one. eagle it's, it's a just, good one because i love the winged eagle yeah you had that with you you looked like a champion speaking of champions folks we'll be back right after this
0: in trying to make an artistic statement one should be careful not to let one's personal aroma do the talking. In order not to offend the critics, I recommend Right Guard Sports Stick. It provides maximum protection and the freshest sense, A sublime palette of odoriferous emanations. After all, a true artiste should be remembered for his inspiration, not his perspiration. Right Guard Sports Stick. Anything less would be uncivilized.
1: And welcome back to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. We thank you for joining us on episode number 13, January 9th, 2017. Quinn, we're reviewing something. Yes, we are. Oh, we're reviewing one for you, folks. This, (laughs) this is a fun one, actually. We both enjoyed watching this.
2: Yes, we did.
1: (laughs) This is a co-branded show, the... WWF and the SWS, the Super World of Sports, is what this stands
2: for. For some reason, I I kept thinking it was the SWF. You SMS, you can saying? say? SMS or something, <laughs> yeah. like This is TMS. S- <laughs> what is this?
1: This is SWS WWF Wrestle Dream, so I guess it didn't happen. Someone dreamt it. <laughs> it's like Mario 2. Yeah, it's like Mario Wrestling. 2.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Wart is in it and stuff yeah. like that. April 1st, 1991, so we're about a week removed from WrestleMania, and this is in Kobe, Japan.
2: Makes it particularly interesting because of that. Yeah, exactly. It's right after WrestleMania 7. And I really don't think any kayfabe story. Storylines apply here. No. Other than Hagen being the champ. Yeah,
1: Hagen's the champ. Yeah. We'll get to him. um This promotion, SWS, was by Tenaru, Japanese superstar. Yeah, I don't and, really um, like him. It existed for a couple. Got a bad jerry curl. <laughs> <laughs> it existed for a couple of years, like, I think, 90 to 92.
2: Now, are they supposed to be, like, strong style, like, yeah, before that somewhat. was cool? Yeah, well, they were, like, all Japan and New
1: Japan uh, defects, you but know.
2: I meant, like, that they were supposed to be, like, no, this is the rougher wrestling. Because I, I kind of got the impression yeah. from the show. It's
1: such good wrestling that wrestling's not even in their promotion name. Yeah, really. No, yeah. this is the Super World of Sports, motherfucker. Yeah, it's super, all right. <laughs> it's super. We got WWF. <laughs> yes, they did, and they co-promoted yeah. with them for a while. This is a show that they did, and I believe that we're watching an edited version. I don't know if it was something that was tape-traded and put on YouTube, or maybe if it aired in Japan this way.
2: It looks, the way it's clipped, it looks like somebody had a tape of just the WWF matches. Yeah. Because it's very, like, it doesn't look cutty. Like, yeah, it's, it's like very It's succinct. very professionally yeah, done. Yeah,
1: it's very succinct. Yeah. So this is only the WWF matches from this card. It's hosted by who the hell knows because they some don't Japanese show guys. Just some Japanese guys. So guy.
2: remo- we might want to remind the audience we had no commentary here, no it's commentary. Blah, 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 you know? Sorry, we don't
1: speak Japanese. Yeah, I'm sorry.
2: Yeah, for our Japanese listeners, yes, who understand what we're saying right now. <laughs> so the first match,
1: <laughs> give me a break. The first <laughs> match is Earthquake John Tenta. We love him versus Quinn's favorite fucking Kattow. Fucking Koji Kata- hand towel, hand towel, Fred Kattow, Fred
2: hand towel,
1: fresh off of his victory with Tenoru at WrestleMania Seven. They against- make
2: demolition look dumb. <laughs> what music did demolition have, Quinn? <laughs> so <laughs> like that terrible music, <laughs>
1: Quinn. What do you think of Earthquake here?
2: What do I think of him? Yeah, he his hair's longer and um he it's bad. <laughs> he looks, uh, he look, looks like he just woke up. He like. Look, he looks pretty rough. I would rough. say everyone at this show that's on the American side doesn't look like they got a lot of sleep.
1: Yeah, that's true,
2: yeah, and I, they, they probably didn't. No, they look like shit.
1: There was a show a couple of days earlier in Tokyo, and that's where uh, Tenta fought Katao the first time, and it was, everything went fine, Tenta won. This is an infamous match, you've probably yeah. heard of it if you're up on this stuff, it yeah. degenerates into a shoot,
2: Right, right. Now, before we get there, let's 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 remark on some of the stuff. Yeah. So they come out, and there's like military, <laughs> g- police, or something. Yeah. Like, their
1: security guards are intense.
2: Yeah. They they have like like decorative like epaulets on their jackets. Yeah. Like of <laughs> what, are, what are they protecting here? This is wrestling. <laughs>
1: They're protecting earthquake apparently because yeah. he looks like he's gonna fall asleep at yep. any second. My you, you love Kato. Oh, so much. I hate him.
2: My first comment was Katow blows. Yes, he is a big fat asshole. <laughs> he why he's got he's got like spandex on, but he has a belt. He looks like just such a dick wipe. Like yeah. he's just such an ass. You can just tell he thinks he's hot shit. <laughs> yeah. and you know what about him being hot shit? I bet you half the people who are listening to this retro podcast who are big-time fans don't even know who the hell he is. Koji
1: Katao. Yeah. Let us know. He was a former sumo. Did you know that, Quinn? He was a Yoko Izuna.
2: Yeah, he's a fat ass. That's, <laughs> I could, he had to lose some weight for this. <laughs> so they got co-branded turnbuckles, which was a nice touch. That was good. On one side was WWF, like the regular you see, and the other side said SWS or SMS or whatever they are. <laughs> PMS. <laughs> PMS. And the
1: ref is extremely tiny. Yes, <laughs> especially compared to these two big guys. Yeah, the
2: refs interestingly enough the Japanese refs kind of have the WWF ref garb, they if do. I recall. They do. They're wearing yeah. the WWF ref garb. It's a very yeah.
1: tense atmosphere, almost as if these two guys knew some shit was going to go
2: down. Yeah, so something starts happening in this match and right. they're not cooperating. Right. This match is very interesting cuz this is kind of why people sought this out. Yes. In the first place. I've seen
1: it I've seen this match outside of this show before.
2: Right. So basically what happens is is that um, the fir- I re- if I recall the match starts that Earthquake kind of goes for a wrestling yeah. like takedown they, right?
1: it, it's, it's shoot fighty but they might be cooperating it's hard to tell it's hard to tell but after minutes. that
2: first takedown oh by Earthquake gosh. all of a sudden Katao gets all mad yes. and he like knocks over a table yeah. and like throws it at Earthquake and then they start t- like they're yelling at each yeah. other he thinks he's so good and yeah. basically
1: Earthquake's having none of it does not back down and yeah. it just degenerates if you remember
2: correctly. now I'm with earthquake because it seems like katao started it it does seem like katao started it, like without question and i think we find that out later not on this show or anything but but if you look it up yes like basically like he didn't cooperate with them and he was gonna like legit fight earthquake and i'm listen John Tenta is a good man because he yes. did not fucking back down to this asshole. Absolutely, he knew he was bigger than him. Yep, that he could control everything. And he's and a former he, sumo himself. Yeah, and he was like, he's basically like, listen, this is the WWF you're dealing with, pal. This is this, my job. This is this. We're the biggest promotion in the world. Fuck you. <laughs> I'm not going to go down. And he, like, legit fights him. They're he does. Like circling around They're each circling
1: other. Circling each other. It's very tense. It's like
2: nobody wants to, like, get hit with, like, a knockout. Like, you can tell, like, yes. that's, like, the the mentality is that they don't want to get in a hold. Yep. Or they don't want to get hit in the face so that they make their promotion look dumb. Right. And if you remember, Quinn, hey, Katau tries
1: to break Earthquake's arm. Yes. And that's where Earthquake really loses yeah. it.
2: Yeah. He, what? He starts saying, like, fuck to him and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, Earthquake is basically like, this is... F- You want to fucking poke me in the eye because he tries to poke him in the eye. Like legit gouge him, like not like not like a you know wrestling poke to the eye. Like I'm talking like no, this guy wants to take his eye out of his socket.
1: It's just very tense. There's not a lot of contact made. It's a lot of them taunting, circling Quinn in the middle of this is just like look at this piece of garbage. Fuck him. (laughs) Talking about (laughs) Catal. The the ref tries to maintain control and he does his best. Yeah,
2: yeah, and 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 the crowd starts chanting Tenta.
1: Yeah, they're clearly behind John Tenta here. Yeah, they like even they know like no. Katow sucks.
2: Katow like fucked up. So, like at one point, Earthquakes like this is pro wrestling. Yeah. Remember that when <laughs> yep, he yells yep. him. Yeah, I mean, it's it's something. It's it's quite a spectacle, honestly. It it
1: really is. It it has to be seen to be fully understood, so you should definitely check this match out, folks. John Tenta versus Koji Katao. Just absolutely bizarre. Um,
2: It ends with Katao... Like, legit. Legit. The ref's trying to break it up, and he kicks him. He just kicks the ref. It actually hurts him. Yeah, like... And they have to take the ref away. Yep, and, that's and just it. They it's just a, end the match it, and it's, it's a no awarded, contest. To, awarded to earthquake actually. Uh, oh, is it actually? It says okay. winner earthquake. Oh, you're right, it does. Okay, so uh, that's the thing in this. <laughs> yeah, After every ahead. match, there's like there's like this like small screen, and it kind of shows like a couple of clips from the match, but not like in a replay style, just yeah. like a quick cut. Very to, like, quick. And it just says in Japanese winner. <laughs> yeah. Like well, it says winner in English, in and English. then some Japanese, yeah. I guess, the name of the wrestler.
1: So Quinn, I thought this was bizarre. What's your rating on this? Where did this take place again? Oh, uh, this is in Kobe, Japan.
2: Oh, five stars. Oh, okay. All yeah, right. Yeah.
1: So the next match is Bret Hart. <laughs> of yeah. All people. Yeah. Bret the Hitman. Hart. <laughs> yeah. Versus George Takano. So <laughs> <laughs> when we- Bret comes down, and what happens with the ribbons? So it's he like...
2: gets the respect ribbons, which is that's <laughs> yeah, that's it's real. That's Still a thing in Japan. It's really real, yeah. Like, like people like are like, oh shit, Bret Hart, and they're like, yeah, he's good. Yeah. Like, respect ribbons. Respect ribbons. You so, like Takano's music. Takano's music is good. I, I think all the Japanese wrestlers actually have good music because it just sounds like video game music. Yeah. No, Takano's music is particularly good, but his attire is particularly not good. Okay, so he has, like, women's boots. Like, it looks like he's wearing, like, um, you know, like, lady shoes? Yes. Like, um... <laughs> They're, like, white and short. They're, like, no, no, weird No, no, no. Not the white part, just the black part surrounding. You know, like, a woman's shoe that's, like, a flat? Yes. That's what he looks like he's wearing with socks, but it's all part of his boots. He so. also
1: like, a Beverly Brothers cape.
2: Yeah. <laughs> he just looks like a lady. He
1: like. looks like Tito Santana dressed as a Beverly Brother in lady shoes. Yeah. He it's... looks like a complete idiot is what I said. Yeah. Brett, honestly, and I love Brett, and I know he didn't always give it 100%, he looks like he could give a shit about being Again, there.
2: Again, he looks tired like the rest of them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Quinn thinks Takana yeah. looks like The Rock. Yeah, and with stupid shorts. <laughs> Because they're like longer green, like neon green. (laughs) Yeah. Now we kind of notice Brett kind of works this as a heel, like subtle. Yeah. It appears to me that Takano is supposed to be a face in Japan, so they're like they don't want to kill that because they're in their home territory. So, so
1: Brett's kind of like a subtle heel, and he's also got his WrestleMania seven gear on, like exactly. Takano hits a pile driver. Big deal. But Brett,
2: like, kicks out. Brett kicks out. A pile driver in 91 is, like, a big deal.
1: Yeah. um, Quinn keeps calling a Takano Tato. Tato. Yeah. (laughs) Like, potato. Yeah. And the announcers um, (laughs) keep saying Brett Hardo. Brett Hardo. I'm not being mean. That's really what they said. That is how they pronounce it. And Brett's kind of like, it's just funny. I'm just noticing the way he was wrestling. He's being, like, kind of assholic, but not, like, rule breaking aggressive. Yeah. He's just being kind of jerky.
2: Yeah, he's just wrestling a heel south. Brett with the Boston Crab, since he was using the sharpshooter. Yeah, which is yeah. interesting. Yeah, that is weird. It was
1: like he knew he wanted the submission yeah. hold, but he didn't now, have the Now, what I like shooter. about
2: this Boston Crab spot is Takano does push-ups to get out of it. Like, yeah, like actual, literal push-ups. legit push-ups while he's in the Boston Crab and, like, pushes Brett out of it. Yeah, that was a cool, that was
1: a cool uh, escape, I thought, Yeah, honestly. And so it's back and forth. Then yeah. Takano hits a spinning
2: heel kick. Yup. Big splash. Big splash, top oh. rope. For, for the, the win, pin. yeah, good, yeah. good match. I thought Quinn, what do you think? Um, what was the nationality of the crowd?
1: Uh, Japanese.
2: Oh, five stars. Okay,
1: yeah. Right. So then we move on to <laughs> one of Quinn's favorites, the Macho Man. That's Right against one of Quinn's
2: least favorites, Tenaru. Ugh, Jerry Curl Tenaru. <laughs> now. <laughs> Macho Man is supposed to be retired here, which is weird.
1: Yeah, but like you said, no kayfabe storylines are there really applying. There just seems to be no
2: kayfabe at all.
1: Also, no Elizabeth, no, and, and no Sherry. None, none of that. Yeah. yeah,
2: and somehow, somehow Earl Hebner now is the ref. We get an yeah, American ref. They finally switched the refs up. I guess maybe that was the agreement here. Yeah, yeah. Now, Cuomo, how you feel about Katao? He's a piece of garbage. Yeah, what about Tenru? Tenru, yeah. He's piece a of piece garb- of garbage too. Yeah, they're both pieces of garbage. <laughs> you know why? Because they do d- demolition. <laughs> Fuck them. <laughs> this fat tub with his dinosaur jacket comes out. Yeah, their, their mascot's like a T Rex. Literally a T Rex on the back of their jacket. Are you sure it's not like a little baby Godzilla, maybe? It's weird because they're like the Power Ranger style T Rex, <laughs> like the Tyrannosaur. Tyrannosaur? Yeah, Tyrannosaur. Remember how jason tyrannosaurus yeah but tyrannosaurus mastodon Tyrannosaurus.
0: Tyrannosaurus.
2: so
1: anyway the match gets off (laughs) to a hot start tenor storms to ringside and savage is like throwing his jacket at him (laughs) yeah it's
2: savage with the stalling pretty much the whole match yeah it's like 1986 savage returned yeah but he's still like good he's still good he's He's... in his wrestlemania seven gear that's true but he's got the shirt this time yeah well, he doesn't take the shirt yeah, off. Yeah, he keeps the but shirt But it's the on. same shirt that he had the at the beginning shirt. of the match. Same yeah. shirt.
1: This is apparently like the WrestleMania 7 gear show. Right? You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, basically, they're like, let's just wear the same thing. So, I love this. Savage gets on the mic in front of the Japanese crowd, yeah. and he yells, Ooh, yeah, Tenaru, I'm gonna get you now, and there ain't nothing you can do about it. Ooh, yeah. yeah, Tenaru,
2: I'm gonna get you now,
0: and there ain't nothing you can do about it. Ooh, yeah.
2: I don't get this because was there supposed to be some kind of backstory (laughs) here? Like, was Macho Man mad about that demolition match (laughs) like I was? Like, I don't understand. Did they, like, have a, Did he challenge him backstage after he lost his career match? It
1: might have been that he woke him up because Tenoru seriously looks like he just got up from a nap. How
2: old is he here? Like, a 70? (laughs) Like, (laughs) I don't know. He looks like garbage. Like he looks old, like he does. not, like not, like I'm not saying he looks like garbage because I don't like him. He legitimately looks bad. He, like he shouldn't be wrestling. He might be about the
1: same age Shawn Michaels was when yeah. Michaels retired.
2: Oh. oh, but Michaels
1: looked a million times better than this yeah. guy. So I guess Savage's working heel. He's technically
2: not a face yet. He didn't yeah. turn face, but I mean, he had that moment with a moment... only a couple days ago. But do you think these Japanese people had seen WrestleMania Seven? According to
1: Gorilla, that was the largest pay per view audience. In the oh <laughs> right, of the whole
2: world saw it. So yeah, I but... guess they did. So they must be confused as we are.
1: There's a Japanese fan that yells uh, at Savage. He's wearing a suit. Yeah. <laughs> Japanese fan in a business suit. Awesome. Yeah. And then, so then for this, clip, yeah. Savage shittily, like, offers a handshake and then just takes it away and he yells, you ain't
2: nothing! It's so weird. Like, the Savage, even his healness is not normal. Yeah, like, I know. It's, it's, like, very bizarre. It's, like... He just keeps trying to antagonize Tenru because he's just boring.
1: Right, so they they brawled the crappy ringside table, the same one Katow
2: threw yeah, earlier. Yeah, it's, it's back in his place now.
1: Quinn, you have an interesting <laughs>
2: theory of I what? Said, I, I said, this guy thinks he's good because they beat Demolition the week before with the crappy music. So that makes Katow and Tenru good. They just think they're good. Yeah, <laughs> and I also commented about Savage. I still don't get why Vince thinks he needs the shirt because he looks really good here. <laughs>
1: it's true. He does. Yeah. I don't know why. I would... I I would also like to take this moment to oh. mention that I do not like Earl Hebner. I don't get I, I don't get it. He's flying. I'm not explaining it right now. Yeah, so anyway, Flying Elbow by Savage, but he stalls, so it only gets a two. Tenaru with his, his finisher the power bomb, but Savage kicks out. So
2: they've kicked out of each other's finisher. There Just like
1: go. WrestleMania 7. Yeah. This guy is no ultimate warrior. Tenaru with a, what was that, a... Backwards
2: fat. elbow? Yeah, backwards elbow drop. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even remember saying this, honestly. I noted Why? it for you, though. Yeah. I said, fat fall on him move? question mark. That is awful. Yeah, you better kick out of that, macho man. And then Quinn says, yeah, poke him in the eye. He, he sucks. sucks. Fuck him. Fuck him. Yeah. Savage hits
1: another elbow, then a second. Yeah, Tenero still-, still
2: fucking kicks yeah, out. What the fuck? <laughs> Who is this guy? Why is... It's, he, must, I own the promotion. I can just kick out of finishers by like legends. This prompts you to say, "I hate Tenaru Yeah, what the fuck? It's the Macho
1: Man. Like, come on. And then Quinn (laughs) proceeds to explain that SWS stands for what? Small
2: wrestling shit. (laughs)
1: We go to a clip to the outside.
2: You know, (laughs) it shows a sign. Oh, I like this. There's a sign on the ring apron that says, Official Sponsor Nishimashu Construction Company. That doesn't sound shady. Yeah, what is it? The Mafia? (laughs) (laughs) So with that, Tenaru... Sorry, the Yakuza. Yeah, the Yakuza. Tenaru
1: (laughs) hits his crappy-ass powerbomb again for For the win.
2: win. He beats Macho Man.
1: When you you love that right? Talk about only winning because yeah, you own yeah. the
2: company. That's what I. That was exactly what I said. Yes. I also said good thing this company went out of business because it sure does suck. I mean their logo is a T Rex. And then it shows on the screen winner, <laughs> winner. This fat ass with the worst power bomb ever. So Quinn, uh, what would you rate this? Um, what was the Kobe? Yeah, Kobe Japan. Do, do you think they went to Ribera after this match? Yeah, five stars.
1: Cool. So, next match, we get some imitation Brutus Beefcake <laughs> music. That's what yeah. I thought of it.
2: For Yoshi Yatsu. As yeah, he t- I, I, I'm reading the notes. I thought it said Yoshitatsu. It's right? not. <laughs> as he takes on Hogan. Hogan. For the world title. For the world title. It's on the lo- what did this guy do? <laughs> I don't know, but I'll tell you what. He's not ten- if he was Tenaru, he'd be the world champion. Yeah. This, but-
1: <laughs> so, so this is Japan. Yeah. So, the, Hogan is so much more likable in Japan. Well, he's like a real wrestler. He's basically like, fuck you, I'm here. There's none of this, like, yeah. tearing the shirt, like, no. all dramatically. Yep. He is so much more
2: serious looking because yep. he
1: knows what the Japanese crowd responds to. He's
2: serious and he's doing, like, move moves. Like, not like, like, playing his face style where he's like getting beat up the whole time yeah, by like punches <laughs> like you know what i mean yeah, like he looks good here he really does and his finisher isn't the elbow drop like the leg drop you mean the leg I'm, yeah, I'm sorry leg drop it's the it's the ax bummer ax bummer which is basically a lariat
1: yeah this is a pretty good little match i thought yeah. i mean hogan does his usual japan style he's yeah. i don't want to blow it out of proportion but he's a decent Matt wrestled. It's something in Japan. that he
2: doesn't get credit for is that yeah. really the whole time he did really know how to wrestle. Like yeah. he wasn't just some jabroni that could like sit on people and like win. He knew what crowds wanted and he worked yeah. accordingly. It really highlights, yeah, it really highlights there's a reason why Hogan was the best in the world at the time because he could adapt to Anything we've seen him just to go off on a tangent here. We saw a great brawl with him in Japan, I think from '90 against Stan Hansen. Remember that's that? really good, it's an yeah. Awesome brawl. He can turn his style on a dime, really. Like sure, he can just be whatever he needs to be, and it's no. There's, like, really no, like, question in my mind why Hogan is probably one of the best of all time. It's, like, right here, it's just on display. Absolutely. like And, and again, I don't want to say he's, like, the best mat wrestler ever. No, he's I'm not. not saying he's the best wrestler. <laughs> I'm just saying he knows how he to what work he was a doing. crowd. Yep. Probably the best crowd-like worker ever. One of the best ever. Yeah. And this is a great,
1: you know, decent, fun little match here. <laughs> uh, Earl Fuckner is the ref <laughs> again. Just fuck him. So... This has a little interesting bit of psychology. Y- Yatsu keeps avoiding the axe bomber. Yeah, Hogan finally hits
2: it. Yeah, it's basically a fight till Hogan can hit that axe yeah, bomber, and, and he wins, wins with it. Yeah, not not the most like amazing match, but I mean, it was yeah. it was fun seeing Hogan. Just um, it was very fun seeing Hogan yeah. in Japan. I like seeing Hogan in
1: Japan. I, it's different. Yeah, I always get a kick out of Hogan in Japan.
2: I do too. So Quinn, what'd you think of that match? Um, was this like a title match in Japan?
1: Uh, yes, it was. It was in Japan.
2: Oh, it's five stars then. There you go. Okay. So overall I thought it was a great little show. I mean it's a great show. Every match is five stars, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was a nice little show. I did want to I want to bring this up to you, Quinn, as an epilogue. Okay. This isn't in our notes or anything, okay. but just because you like Tenoru so much. Oh. Uh-huh. And we like Japan Hogan so much. In September of ninety one there was another show.
2: There was. And the
1: main event was Hulk Hogan versus Tenoru.
2: Okay, how who wins that? Tenru kicks
1: out of the leg drop.
2: Well, that's not Hogan's Japanese finisher, so that makes sense.
1: Kicks out of the first axe bomber. No way! But finally,
2: Hogan gives him two more <laughs> and pins his ass. Oh my god, Tenru is garbage. Like, why does everyone think he's so good? I don't know. Why did they think they could center a promotion? It's no wonder that. PMS went out of business. <laughs> PMS can only last for so long. Yeah, it's only
1: temporary. <laughs> so, folks, there you have it. We have reviewed something. Yeah, SWS WWF Wrestle Dream now from April first. we can say 1. we have
2: Japan wrestling in our repertoire. <laughs> yeah, we really are uh... the retro Japanese wrestling podcast. <laughs> That's what we are now. <laughs> add that to our resume. Yeah, you hear that? Yeah. You hear that all you wrestling fans? You hear that IWC? <laughs> <laughs> we we we've we've really um We're peaking right now. We've upped our game, folks.
1: Hey, we are the fastest-growing weekly episodic retro wrestling audio podcast in the world.
2: Including Japanese wrestling, retro Japanese (laughs) Japanese wrestling.
1: Maybe next time we'll add uh, some Lucha Libre to our resume, (laughs) Yeah, Uh, Folks, I want to remind you as we wrap it up here that we are going to have Scott Keith with us us in a few weeks. Oh, really now? posted on the date. Yeah, he's coming back. (laughs) Oh, boy. He's coming back for the Royal Rumble special.
2: Are we flying him in this time or...? (laughs) I think he'll still do this one from Canada. We should do that show from Japan.
1: <laughs> It'll we'll, be our best one ever. Yeah,
2: we'll, we'll, get, we'll get five stars on the
1: internet. <laughs> folks, it's been a great time. Quinn, it's been awesome talking to you. Yep. Thank you, of course, As folks. As always. Yep. Great thank time you. talking to you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us. Have a good rest of your day, whether it's just beginning or just winding down. Thanks yep. for listening to us. Hopefully, uh, we've helped you pass an hour of your day. Yep. Be sure, of course, to tweet at us at OVP Podcast. You can email us at OVP Podcast at gmail.com. That is OVP Podcast
2: at gmail.com. Subscribe on the iTunes, right? The iTunes, the Google Play Music, the Stitcher. Go to the website, OVPPodcast.com. Right. we got everything there. You Me- don't have to look. It's yeah, all there. It's all there. YouTube,
1: yeah. we're on that. We're not on MySpace yet.
2: I checked. Yep. Well, <laughs> maybe Japanese MySpace. Next. that's like I'll have to look for that on the internet.
1: (laughs) Folks, have a great rest of your day. We will see you next week. See ya. Five
0: times World Wrestling Federation champion. This belt is just a toy. It's like a trinket on a Christmas tree, like an ornament. The belt that I want is the one that the great Muta has, the IWGP belt. Because when Hulk Hogan wins the IWGP championship, which he should have right now, it will prove that New Japan Pro Wrestling and Hulk Hogan is the greatest, the greatest partners in the world because I want all the great wrestlers to come to me, and I want them to come to Japan where I can wrestle and not bullshit. I want to wrestle and prove that I'm the best. There's an old saying in the United States of America and that you can't, you cannot teach an old dog new tricks, but this old dog does not need new tricks. I know all the tricks. I have proven that I'm a survivor. I've proven that I'm a leader. And I will not quit professional wrestling. Many, many people you've seen quit and come back, quit and come back. But if you watch Hulk Hogan, I have never quit. I will always be here. And now that I'm back in Japan, tonight was a great night for me because I was very worried. Because Muda is a brand new star. He's one of the best New Japan has. And tonight, it was fun. It was easy. I want bigger challenges. I want more opponents. If Antonio Inoki has time to step down from his government job of the Senate, I would love to
2: run.